your name is Heather, her name is Heather, and Heather's dead. Sounds like Heather did it. You guys know that movie reference? Uh, Heather's. <laughs> Crack open a cold <laughs> box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. All right, I'm going to try to talk about this horrible event that happened on a film set without getting into the politics of movie making or the opinions on firearms. But sometimes, folks, movie news is just as horrible as real-life news. Alec Baldwin, of course, accidentally discharged live rounds on the Rust film set. He killed the director of photography, uh, Helena Hutchins. He wounded the director, Joel Souza. And the investigation actually went from Baldwin, who was rehearsing the scene with the gun, to was the AD being irresponsible, whose name is Dave Hall, as the assistant director. And then, of course, to the inexperienced armorer, Hannah Gutierrez Reed. Here's some interesting details as they unfolded. Baldwin did not check the gun. The AD said the weapon was a cold gun, meaning he sh- he would have checked it and said there's no live rounds inside. But as it turns out, he did not do that. And then the dude had complaints filed against him previously for violating safety on sets in the past, other movies he worked on. And then the armorer, her only job is to make sure the guns are safe on a set. She has very little experience being the person employed to do so. She worked on the Nick Cage Western that's about to come out, but not as a supervisor. But then she's the boss on this Alec Baldwin movie. She was also on a podcast recently where she talks about how she's actually worried about her lack of experience in this area. And she said something to the tune oh of like, God. yeah. <laughs> then she, she supposedly says something like this, like, guns are not problematic unless they're in the wrong hands. Hello. Uh, (laughs) And then then it comes out. Yeah. (laughs) Then it comes out that crew members on the Rust movie are using this particular gun for target practice with live ammunition in between takes and like at the end of the day, they're goofing around with the gun anyway. And then uh, it also came out that crew members of the camera crew were going to walk off the set in protest because a lot of protocols weren't being followed and they didn't like the working conditions. They weren't up to standards on this movie. Then. When Alec gets handed this gun, he didn't. He doesn't check it. Like his obligation as the actor following the protocol would have been, he's got to check for the live round because like a dummy system. They check, he checks, they check again, he looks again, then he can do his thing. Uh, apparently, it didn't happen. But most recently, he was like trying to comfort the widow and the son of the the DP. Like there's pictures of them at the memorial, and they supposedly had several conversations. And it's not like even the, I guess the dad of the DP. Uh, levies no particular blame on Baldwin and talks about these other people. But tragically, I mean, obviously the movie's probably going to come out. This lady's dead, and did she die over a horrible movie? We don't even know if the movie was going to be good or not, and her life, she's she's gone. And then, uh, as a producer, my other thought the other day that I was telling you guys when I first, as the stuff was like unfolding was, Baldwin has some liability here, maybe criminally and civilly. Like, attempt, entertainment lawyers are chiming in to fill out these stories with, like, Variety and Hollywood Reporter and Smart News and um, 
Yahoo News and routers like that they're saying it's possible he could be charged with involuntary manslaughter if it goes to a criminal court or whatever. And obviously really? anybody can be sued anytime civilly. I mean, there's some debate as to what's the responsibility of an executive producer, but I mean, being an executive producer is a certain amount of liability on any movie. Um, at least from the contracts that I've seen, but Dave was talking about how, well, what if he's only a name, just a name to get the money to make the movie? Like what's his responsibility? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just don't know how direct over he was in those decisions to hire who they hired. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like you who know? hired this, this armor, you know, and the assistant director who I think also had a lot of like bad rep, you know? Yeah, I guess they're hiring a lot of non-union crews, too. I don't know. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff coming out. Well, the non-union people there are because the union people protested and were leaving the set. So they they brought in, you know, non-union to take over their positions or whatever. But um, in other news, we'll switch gears. The star star of Werewolves Within, Sam Richardson, has joined the cast of Hocus Pocus 2. And that started filming, actually. Now, for what... You do in the shadow, fans. This is a spoiler warning. So, what we do in the shadows may have just killed one of the all-time favorite characters, and fans are literally in disbelief online. People want to know if they're just setting you up for a season finale trick, or who knows? Maybe that maybe the that particular character has been exited. We'll see. I know I'm one of those fans hoping it's just a trick. <laughs> I know you guys watch this. Is this they are be like a huge thing. deal. Like who killed Jr. or something? Yeah. Like, is this well, <laughs> this is like the this is like the a character that wasn't intended to be one of the main characters who's become like the most favorite character on the entire show. Oh. And maybe that has something to do with the writers. Maybe they don't want to write for this character. Maybe the other character, maybe the other actor producers are envious of how popular this character is. And maybe they're like, Oh, we got, we got to write this dude <laughs> off the show, get him out of the way. He's so the camera gets thunder. The spotlight yeah. comes back this way. Um, And then we're getting the first looks. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see Thomas Jane, dressed up as a grizzled old man Thomas Jane vampire killer who's going to help a bunch of social media stars survive the night from a vampire master played by uh, Malin Ackerman. Um, first of all, I don't care what the movie is. Thomas Jane and Malin Ackerman in a movie and the word vampires, those three keywords, I'm in. I'm Sounds buying the ticket. I'm, yeah. I'm fucking there. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> I don't care. Like, and I, I'm in, all, guys. And he, and he I'm looks older in. and cool? Yes, why not? Yeah. Dave? You gonna watch I'm, it? You know, Mal and Ackerman will get me there. Thomas Jane is all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, her is a, was she the vampire? Wait, is she the is she the one he's hunting? Yeah, she's like the head vampire. Oh, then that then yeah. I'm in just on that Sold. one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Darn. Okay, now he's in tonight's movies, folks. Let's see the Swedish horror movie "Let the Right One In" from 2008, followed by the American remake from 2010. Because as you know, all month long, we've been doing a series of horror movies to watch. We've been doing classic horror movies or horror movies and then comparing them to their remakes. What are these movies about? Oscar is a young boy. He's bullied at school until he meets his vampire neighbor girl. She shows up. She makes a bloody mess of the bullies and commits a series of bloody murders with the help of a infatuated man-child servant. She would probably eat Oscar, too, if she didn't have a crush on him. But because her, her, like, her human feelings still linger on, apparently. I guess in this movie... Whatever the vampire rules are, they're still partly human. I'm not sure. Um, Dave, you got some dangerous facts this week on this movie? I or do. So I do. Well, I guess we'll go one at a time. Let's start with Let the Right One In. Um, so right. the young actress, uh, Lena Lee Anderson, uh, who plays Ellie, actually had her voice replaced in post-production by actress Elif 
as Kaylin, I hope I'm saying that right, um, because it was felt that Alina's voice was too feminine and the director wanted a more neutral or androgynous voice for the character. Um, both director Thomas Alfredson and author uh, John Lindquist, we'll just say, because I might be saying that wrong, uh, Swedish after all. Uh, sounds right. Yeah. So John Lindquist, uh, both the director and the writer of the novel and script, both admitted they were not actually uh, big big fans of vampires, which is kind of funny. Um, actually, in the original book, Ellie uh, was a boy that was castrated. Um, this is alluded to in the original, but uh, but never actually explained in either version of the film. Um, so actually, this is this is where my uh, nerd nerd uh, home video nerd comes out. So there was actually controversy surrounding the original home video release of this uh, because the DVD and Blu-ray um, had the theatrical subtitles that it was released in theaters with. Uh, they put simplified subtitles on the DVD version and this pissed off fans because they felt it took a lot of character and nuance out of the dialogue. Uh, so enough fans complain and the uh, distributor magnet films put it back out with a the theatrical uh, subtitles, but did not offer any kind of uh, swap a disc for an uh, unhappy fan. So, so now you got to go buy another version. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah. His facts really are dangerous this week because the one that could have got left off the list, but I didn't tell him to leave it off, was the castration note about the difference in the in the novel. <laughs> but you know, great mind, whatever. I, had they put, I don't think they could get the movie. Uh, I don't think anybody would. I don't think they could release a movie if that was included. Right, yeah. probably not. So. Um, so uh, the director, Thomas Alfredson, actually was offered the chance to direct the American remake, but he passed because he felt a he was too old to make the same movie twice. And he also felt that remakes should only be made for films that were not very good to begin with and should be given another chance to correct mistakes. Um, the author, John Lindquist, on the other hand, was actually kind of liked the idea as he was a fan of Reeves' previous movie, Cloverfield, and uh, felt Reeves was uh, approaching it as an adaptation of the book rather than a remake of the original Swedish film. So it's kind of funny that the, the author was all, all for it, but the director not. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I think the movies are kind of like different from each other. So if, if the writer of the book is saying the American one is closer to the source material, that's pretty interesting because like they I mean, there's there's only like a couple of changes, but they seem like pretty serious changes between. The They're pretty movies. significant yeah. and they, they make them enough to make yeah, them yeah. different. And the movies feel different, I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, We'll jump right into favorite bits. Uh, hey, Nick, favorite bits from the, the Swedish one. I love the cold atmosphere in the apartment hmm. complex. I just love, you know what I mean? Like the setting, I think, is almost a character in itself in this movie. Just this cold complex that everything's happening in. Do you guys feel that? Like, I just felt like yeah. the the atmosphere in the location, it's just, just, I felt like I was freezing when I was watching this movie the whole time. Right, the cinematography brings a lot yeah, to yeah. that. I mean, just just shots mm. of just snow and nothing else. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. know. It, yeah, on the black night. Uh, <laughs> no, I feel you. It, you watch it and you're like, oh, I, I need to put on a sweater. It's like, ooh, this is <laughs> this is cold. Yeah. Um, all right, I guess that'll be me. Um, yeah. I don't know. I've got a few. I don't know, John. Are you going for the big boy at the end? Uh, I, 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 I didn't want to be the guy who took the big boy. At the what, end. Do yeah, I mean, big I, boy? what are you talking? I about? think we all the, the, the big the know. big say. Okay, well, I'll just jump into it. The, the pool it. scene. Um, yeah. Uh, I actually have a, there's quite a few like uh, bits. I love it. The, the pool scene, the scene with the cats, um, you know, which isn't in the remake. Um, but that pool scene is just expertly done. Um, a spoiler sure. alert for those who haven't seen it. Um, 
you know, Ellie takes out all, all of uh, Oscar's bullies in the pool at the very end of the movie, the climax. Um, I mean, it is, it is a masterclass in editing, sound design, um, just pacing. I mean, that, uh, I mean, that's damn, damn near perfect scene, um, just of tension and everything. Um, so and, probably give uh, them a little, a little background. The boys at the school are involved in like a swim class. It looks like a PE situation or something. So, they have to take the swim lessons. They won't let Oscar out of the pool and they're threatening to drown him or cut him up with his, the knife that he mm. had, whatever. Mm. Cause earlier he was like, so he's so traumatized by the bullies that he's practicing with a knife, what to tell them and how to get rid of them. If he has to fight them off himself, but they're not, they're going to let drown him. And then as Dave said, the vampire girl shows up, uh, rips the bullies to pieces while Oscar's underwater. And it's kind of reminiscent of like, you, Nick said it was an atmospheric horror movie which harkens back to our discussion about cat people. And also the mm, fact that it includes a pool yeah. scenario oh, is like yeah. interesting because some horror movies are tied together by these events in a pool. You know, you know what I mean? It's almost yeah, like a sub-genre. That's true, it's yeah. like something that happens in a pool could be like its own little subgenre. you know, like all the pool horror movies, you know? Um, let's see what else. So I guess that's it. Did you, do you want to add to your favorite bit or should I just jump in with mine from the original? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, jump into yours. Okay, so what I find particularly disturbing, really about both films, but the the fact that, and I call the guy a man-child because the vampire girl has a servant who's really just a child that's grown up, like he's gotten older. So he was like the friend before Oscar got there, but she doesn't like him anymore because he's like grown up into a man. But what's funny is, because she technically raised him and she's a child herself, he's not really a man. He's like an old man, but his his mind is like, still childish and mm-hmm. he goes around and tries to collect bodies for her to eat by you know ha- stringing them up and draining their blood or whatever putting it in a little jug and he screws up and he thinks he can't get away so then he has like a jar of acid and he dumps a jar of acid on his face and like that actually really frightens me like every single time that i see it and this is like the fourth time that i've watched this movie so my favorite bit is what i find to be the most traumatizing which is he pours the fucking acid on his face uh, so, yeah. so that's my favorite bit for the original well i mean to, ju- to uh, bounce yeah. off of that um it's not per se a bit but i mean i'd say the most sympathetic character is actually um i can't remember they i think they have two different names in both versions but we'll just say the for lack of a better term the butler character because i know that's not right but his um, name is like uh Haxon or Haven or something in the yeah, but I mean he he's uh, especially I mean I'd say even more so the Richard Jenkins version in the American one like he's easily the most sympathetic character because like you see like he's there's a moment he realizes he's devoted his life and it's just not gonna you know go anywhere he's not gonna be fulfilled in any way it's just gonna be well more uh, if anything it tells you what the fate of the main character is gonna be right you know um, so it's a pretty but, I mean, dark that's, a, story that's a character around. i have the most sympathy for i mean it's just like poor you know that guy's devoted his whole life and it's just you know like i'm done i'm out so favorite bits from the remake what do you got for us nick i would say the car scene oh yeah uh you know what i mean there's a scene where there's a car attack and then matt reese puts the camera in the back and there's a character driving and it just crashed. I God, that scene's incredible. Just the camera work alone, it gets me excited mm. for the new Batman movie, but what he's going to do. Well, it's designed to look like, I mean, I hadn't seen this since the theaters, and there was like I a few seen things I for, DVD, yeah. Yeah, I, there, I forgot about that scene. Like, I like, did too. Yeah, and I mean, like, oh, it kind of took me off guard, because it's not in the the original one. 
Yeah, I don't um, think they could even do that in the original one. Or you know, the, like right. they needed to have this budget and this American director kind of do it. But yeah, that uh, that one um, easily one of the best car crashes in a movie because uh, yeah. you don't see you just see it all from the inside. I did feel I liked the connection between our two main characters more in the Swedish version than this one. Did you guys? I, kind of, I mean, I skipping ahead, but I just felt that's another thing I really liked about the first one. It was like their connection, even though I didn't know the language. I felt yeah. When I heard it about was so the much remake, stronger uh, in that one than this one. I was excited for the casting. It's um, a casting great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cody Chloe something or, Martinez. She, she was in everything at the time. So yeah, I, yeah. I mean, she played Hit Girl in a mm-hmm. in a spoofy superhero movie, Kick Ass, um, called Kick Ass. Yeah. So she's you know she was up and comer at this time, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's no. Well, it's disturbing. The, the the movie, the first movie, the kids seem really young. So the chemistry between them and then between the vampire girl and the older man seems very disturbing. Mm-hmm. But there's like zero chemistry between the young people in the second movie. And so when yeah. you get to the end, I mean, this is kind of a criticism. You get to the end of the American version and the same fate, spoiler alert, Oscar, his name is different. It's like Owen in the American version, but you know, same thing. They're on a train ride and they're running away together. You don't feel like it's worth it in the end of the American one. And then um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I, I'm, I'm going to spoil my favorite bit as well. I got to stop. So I'll, I'll pass <laughs> it over. I'll let well, Nick let me, wrap it up. I mean, or this move is it in my favorite bit, but to jump off of that, I think that's also the effect of them making two different, very different movies. Mm-hmm. The Swedish one, I feel like the, the relationship between them is very sweet and romantic. Um, you know, even though, because once you realize, okay, she's still in the mind of a, you know, 12 year old. Um, but I also, I feel that, the the relationship in this the remake also changes the dynamic of the ending the it feels almost hopeful the ending of the the swedish one and it feels very mm-hmm. dour or like a doomed ending in the american one because i maybe because i feel more sympathy for richard jenkins uh version of that character it's more tragic I, all I can think about at the end of the American one is like that kid's got the same fate. I mean, how long is it going to be before he pours acid on himself? Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you that it's not as sweet in the American remake, but I, I feel that might be on purpose to change the dynamic a little. Maybe, maybe I'm reading more into it. And, um, and, and John, he had just said that didn't the, um, the person who wrote it like this version better. So, well, I, I don't know. I, I mean, he was more excited about it. Oh, I, excited. Okay. I haven't read anything about well, how he felt about the product after the fact. And then I know so. Dave has some dangerous facts about this one too, yeah. but I'll go ahead and yeah. say like this, the benefit of the American one is has Eli Coteus, who's oh yeah, a great actor <laughs> yes. Yes, doing hardly good. anything in this movie, but Dave knows the reason why he even pops up at all. So, well, so uh, I guess yeah. I'll jump into facts and then I'll, uh, do my favorite bit uh, real quick. Um, so facts for let me in. Um, no, go ahead. You can do your favorite bit first. We shouldn't. Oh, okay, fair so enough. Much, so um, actually, um, while I like the pool scene in the original better, I actually there's a scene in the remake that is in both versions that I like better in the me- remake, and that is the um, the scene in the hospital where um, uh, Abby in this version, um, the vampire girl, uh, attacks a random woman because she needs to eat after. Um, Oscar, the whatever in the remake, drops a little blood, and she's like, "Now she needs a feed," and she just attacks a random woman. Cut to a day or two in the hospital. Uh, a nurse opens up the window, and just she just goes ablaze. Um, 
again, it, it caught me off guard. Even it caught me off guard in the remake, even though it's uh, I knew it was coming. Um, I don't know why it just it seemed more dynamic in the remake, um, and it just really caught me off guard. Um, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, aside from the pool scene and some of the other stuff like that, uh, that's the one bit I really liked in that one. But aside from the car scene, but Nick took that. <laughs> oh, I had to. No, what are your what are your like your top three dangerous facts from the remake? The top three. Okay, so uh, talking about Elias, um, Elias Cotias actually, if he had his way, he actually would have loved to play the boy, but obviously he was too old for that. Um, he did say he really connected with that character, uh, but he was just happy to take on any role in the movie because of that. Um, so at the time this movie was released, this was a, a Hammer horror film. We've actually covered a few of those on this show before. But this was the first Hammer horror movie that had come out in nearly 35 years. That was a big-name brand for Jeez, a long really? time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah that's, that's interesting. They popped up in 2010 to make this movie. You know what I mean? It's so, so random. <laughs> right. Um, now, actually, even though um, – here, here's kind of funny. He ultimately took the job, but when first approached, uh, director Matt Reeves said – uh, he shouldn't. He he didn't want to do it just because he thought the original was so perfect. Um, I guess he was cajoled at some point as to adapt the book and not make it his own. But uh, yeah, he he did what all of us with integrity would want to do and say no, leave it alone. But um, he was cajoled at some point to do it. Um, and there's a so what are you guys is uh... coming out? God. Oh yeah, that, there is a TV version. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, there's it's in pre-production right now, but it's got. Oh, I'm going. I, I I was like, I never even heard that about that. Okay. Oh, yeah, so it's, it's coming. Due to come out next year okay. sometime. Oh, it's wow. got Oscar winner or no, not Oscar nominee Damien Bashir in it. I think as the hmm. fatherly role of the young girl. Hmm. So. So, what are your guys' overall overall ratings? Which one would you watch first? Never. How would you break it down? I would say binge now the Swedish one, but. Let the right one in. And I would say mm-hmm. binge later, let me in. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just feeling uh, the love for let the right one in. Is that okay? It's, no, it's <laughs> I love, great. It. I love it. It's so good. I <laughs> mean, when, when the remake thing. came out, like everybody, I was like, God, oh, don't do that. You're going to ruin that movie. And, you know, so here I'm actually going to say binge now both. I mean, do a double feature mm. because there's, there's yeah. enough difference between the two. But I think. They're two. I mean, even though they're based on the same material, in all essence, they're really two different movies stylistically, directorially. Um, I, I don't know. They're they're both equal in my mind. I mean, which is saying something because I love that original when it came out. I was ready to tear down the remake, and it lived up. I mean, it actually exceeded my expectations. So I I say do a double feature binge now. Hmm. This will make John. a good theater. Uh... Like a good theater experience, actually, like to watch both back to back. I had a, a weird experience. Like, if I'm being honest, I didn't like either one as much as I liked it mm. before. So, what I did was I watched the first half of the story in the original and the second half of the story in the remake combined oh. for one film. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Where, where was your stop point or where did you do it at? <laughs> uh, right before the guy gets killed in the apartment in the original. Who I think gets replaced by the cop in the remake because the cop gets killed in a similar way. I think so. Um, as far as fan service this week, an Air Force Master Sergeant asked me, texted me. He's like, hey, um, do you remember Toy Soldiers came across it? I think he said on Hulu. And then like, do you remember how good this movie was? I'm like, duh, dude. Yes. 
And the master sergeant I'm talking about is my brother, so I can call him a dumb dude. Um, my brother actually t- is the one who texted me, but he's in the Air Force. Anyway, so he he's like, do you remember this movie? I'm like, I didn't forget it. It's it's like Sean Austin's <laughs> best, best movie. Like, it's How been here forever. It? Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, the it's, amazing cast, yeah. a bunch of it's badass. always on our radar. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, love that movie, actually. Like, that's why that I <laughs> at some point. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if we're lucky, we, we can do like one. 50 episodes. Well, I mean, we do this every week. So we do about 50 odd some episodes a year. But yeah. I mean, how many movies can we, we cram? Some episodes we tried to cram in like five, 10 movies, a franchise discussion. But we're literally trying to like make sure that we can say enough about the movies we're covering. Um, you know, uh, and now the run of horror movies to watch this whole thing that we're doing, this series is like wrapping up. This is like yeah. comparing the classics to the remakes. And folks, you might be hearing this during like a Halloween holiday. And if you're not, if you miss the holiday and you're just listening to it, we love horror movies and we talk about them all the time. We're probably one of the best podcasts out there for horror movies. Prove me wrong. <laughs> like, you know, you can, you can tell me I suck, but take the podcast survey yeah. and tell me that I suck. Uh, otherwise... <laughs> Enjoy the show. <laughs> um, what else is going on? Not you guys watch anything this week? Oh, yeah. Good point. We're at Staff Picks. Yeah. Let's see if Nick and Dave watch something else besides what they were required to watch. Dave, you want to go first? Or I got one. Oh, man. I, I watched a lot, so but we only want to focus on one at a time. So <laughs> I will, always, as always, go with the best thing I saw all week, which was, aside from these movies, uh, Titan, uh, Titan, however. <laughs> titan. A, God, it's like the French word for Titan or whatever, right? Yeah, but it's not said Titan, it's Titan. Because it's whatever, titan. but it's still, they're still trying to just say Titan. <laughs> titan. Uh, I think they say Titan in France. Uh, anyways, yeah. um, I, I don't know how to describe this movie without uh, giving it away, but it is a very weird. Um, Dave, she screws a car, right? Well, yeah, that's part of it. But they just then, say it's a movie that the girl has sex with a car. All and right, then she's lactating don't... oil. Just leave it there. Leave it alone and tell people to go to watch it. I, I don't go, go watch it. Yeah. Don't read anything. About <laughs> you guys are like, you guys have started to like really pull punches. Like somebody's actually going to come through the microphone and punch you in the face. You guys feel like you feel like you're going to get hate speech. If like you, you give something away yeah, or yeah. you really express yourself. You guys are like really oh. pulled it back. Because <laughs> well, it's a brand new movie. I mean, uh, you're Johnny Spoiler. I'm not. <laughs> but you're dangerous. So walk that fine line, you know, walk the line as Johnny Cash says. Go see um, TT and a woman fucks a car and crazy shit happens. <laughs> exactly. That's how you sell the movie. Done. Soul. Marketing done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I didn't watch anything because, like, this was a busy week. And so I just, like, tried to watch the movies that we were going to cover. Mm. Um, I watched a, I watched a movie called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's an oh, Iranian, Persian vampire. Like, Iranian vampire movie. <laughs> vampire right? movie yeah. and i was going, like a like, middle so eastern vampire movie yeah and it's shot in oh, black and white that? and it's i actually it's but it's very art house Dave, i thought you watched it with those other guys that do that other show no no it's uh no that's a that was a whole that was a mermaid movie i did not watch folks if you don't know if you're tuning in like what is john talking about dave sometimes dave, moonlights on another show dave, do you moonlight with other people I thought you only moonlight yeah. with us. The heck? Dave is so dangerous <laughs> that he likes to take a chance watching movies with other people. Oh man! I I really liked it though. I thought it was beautifully shot, and there's it's kind of the love story was really cool, and you're always wondering like, is she gonna vamp out on the guy? I really enjoyed it. It's yeah, an artsy, my vamp- artsy vampire movie, if I can call it anything. I think you'd either like really like it or hate it. 
You might you might have pushed me over this week to watch it because that's, that's been on my radar for it's, a while. You, I yeah, until, let me know if I've you heard like, good. Dude. You know what? You know what? I well, one thing I know about it, even though I haven't seen it, is you said it's an Iranian movie, which it is, but it was actually filmed in. But it was shot in. Yeah, I read that in the thing. I was like, "What the heck?" Right. Like, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, but I was sticking to that vampire theme this week. Like sometimes I watch Below Deck, and I was like, "No, I'm not going to do that this week. I'm going to stick to the vampire theme." <laughs> Good job. Good job. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Yeah. Nick, you want to tell them where the show's headed? Yeah. So switching gears next week, because we'll be entering our feel good season season, which kicks off with a female arm wrestling movie called the golden arm. Not to be confused with the martial arts movie of the same name. John has already said he likes this movie more than the classic Stallone over the top. Now that's that's a lot to yeah. say, John. Those are some big words. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. And over the top had the title that's... of best arm wrestling movie. Granted, there's only like maybe three or four or five. Yeah, I, there's not I, very many arm wrestling movies. Over the top has been the like the golden the top, standard. John. But uh, uh, I'm going to hold to this that I think that Golden Arm from 2020 with the female arm wrestlers actually outdoes it. So knocks it right Dang. off its pedestal, takes its title away, steals its thunder. Over so the we'll top find out next week. What people think. of arm wrestling movies, John. That's a big thing to say. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, <laughs> should have put that on the poster. <laughs> it really is. Citizen Kane of arm wrestling movies. Yeah, just yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> the stuff got real, guys. I played the right song without screwing up. Somebody give me a gold star. Gold star. (laughs) There you go. Boom. Wow. Dave just gave me an imaginary sticker. You can't see it. I mean, I can send you on snail mail and it'll get to you in two weeks. Oh, my gosh. It will never get to me. The post office is on strike. There's not enough postal workers. (laughs) Uh, The holidays are here. Rudolph's going to be on fucking strike. Yeah, everyone's on strike. Merry, happy holiday, non-denominational, whatever. Happy Christmas, everyone. Hi. Oh, no. Christian Slater's already drunk on the eggnog. It's way too early for that. I'll be Santa.